Welcome to another episode of the World Nurse Collective Podcast. I'm Kat, show creator and your host to meeting nurses and other healthcare individuals from around the globe. From labor and delivery units to palliative care, from Vancouver, Canada to Sydney, Australia, you'll hear about their day-to-day, as well as their inspiring and extraordinary stories. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the World Nurse Collective for more episodes like this one. And if you can, head over to patreon.com slash World Nurse Collective, where for as little as two bucks a month, you can make a valuable contribution and keep these conversations going. So on that note, no matter where you are, I hope you enjoy the show. Barbara is an RN from New Zealand who moved to Canada and eventually made a switch from bedside nursing to her childhood dream of teaching. We discuss everything from nursing in an old New Zealand barracks turned hospital unit to adapting teaching techniques to match your students' needs. She was one of my teachers and had a great impact on my nursing skills today. She has no nonsense, no bullshit, but full of dedication and heart. Tune in and take notes because class is in session with nurse and teacher Barbara Dalton. So hi everybody, my name is Barbara Dalton. I'm a a registered nurse who trained in New Zealand way, 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 way back in time. And (laughs) I'm now in Canada and have been here for 25 years. Although I never actually went back nursing until about 10 years ago when I realized that in order to actually have any sort of job here in Quebec, one needed to speak French. And the idea of working in a store, uh, I tried that. Um, I tried several different things and I'm like, "Eh, eh, I need to go back to nursing. So (laughs) it was at that point that I found out about John Abbott College. They had a transition to nursing course and I signed up. Thankfully, at that point, they didn't have the restrictions that they do now because they have so many people coming in Mm -hmm. from all different countries. Um, So I was lucky I got in straight away. Did my course and, of course, had to do the French. Uh, that took a little bit more time than what, um, well, actually, it took about the same amount of time that I anticipated, but uh, it was a what probably a bigger hurdle for me to get over than actually passing the nursing exams. And to be honest, I felt like the luckiest person in the world having an opportunity to redo some of the training as uh, a mature nurse who had experience because you're kind of like, oh, did they teach me that in school? <laughs> I can't remember that. <laughs> so so it was actually, I, I, I loved my six months of training and uh, here I am now teaching. So that was always my ultimate goal. Um, in fact, if we go way back in time to when I was a little girl, when, how how far back? Wait, hang on. Let's, when is the far back in time for schooling? When did you get your nursing education first? Oh, okay, so like, but I even want to go further back than that because oh. <laughs> so when I was about four years old, I had this aspiration to be a teacher, and my dad was a school teacher, and I used to line my titties up in my garage in front of a blackboard. Um, every day when my older siblings came home from school and even more so when I would come back from school and I used to teach them. That's how I did my homework was teaching my teddies and dolls. And so it's kind of (laughs) funny now that I am in the classroom and teaching because that's really what I wanted to do. And actually the only reason that I went nursing was because 
I was the baby of the family and I had seen my older brother and sister go off to university because we didn't have a university in the, the small town that I lived in. And I saw okay. them suffer. I, it was hard. Like, uh, but meantime, I was at home alone. I had the car at my disposal. I was having my meals cooked. My laundry was being done. And I'm like, oh, life was good. <laughs> this is pretty good. Why would I want to go to university? So the only reason I went nursing was actually to cater for those very selfish needs. And I didn't even do biology, chemistry, nothing at school. I did what? history and geography. And I didn't even know why I got into nursing. They must have been desperate, but I did. And somehow or other, you know, so many years later, here I am. So. Wow. So what, what year was that? What year did you go study nursing? Uh, so 1984 was when I started. And that was in a, my hometown, which was Invercargill in New Zealand. So population 52,000. Um, I trained at a community college and... Oh. I can't even remember how many kids were in my class, actually. Um, and I really only keep in touch with maybe three of them who are, you know, still in my immediate contact list. Um, but, uh, and, and I hated my training. I couldn't stand it. And the one thing that I find is useful as a teacher now is the fact that I hated my training because the reason I hated it was because the teachers would tell you all different things. And all I wanted huh. to know was the right way to do something. But this one would come along and say, yeah, you do it this way. And then I'd go and do it this way in front of another teacher. And she said, that's wrong. You don't do it that way. And I'm like, oh, for God's sake, can you guys get your shit together? <laughs> so, oh, do we need to bleep things out on this? <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. Not at all. We're nurses. We're nurses. We have a so yeah. I, I actually got really, really frustrated as a student. And actually the letter that I have from when I graduated in 1987 didn't even recommend me as being a nurse. And I'm like, oh, that was nice. Anyway, as soon as I, as soon as I finished my training, I actually moved to the other end of the country to a, um, a hospital that had actually been in the news because they had just done one of the first heart transplants in New Zealand. And I'm like, I want to work there. Wow. And so wow. during our internship, we were able to go anywhere in New Zealand to work for the six, eight weeks. I can't even remember how long it was. And so I applied to Green Lane Hospital and me and another one of my friends, who was one of the ones I still keep in touch with, we actually went up to Auckland and we had the time of our lives. And um, because I did my internship up there, I applied for a job and um, went back up there once I passed my exam and started working. So, so that was pretty cool. That was my escape plan from small town New Zealand. So... <laughs> Wow. So have you, do you find that like the techniques have changed, I guess, from, or I guess maybe the techniques are still the same, but I guess the equipment would change, which in turn would well, change the techniques. I, I think like the, you must have seen a difference in time, right? Well, okay. So there were, there, there's two major differences between my nursing in New Zealand and nursing here. And the first one is having PABs. So as a nurse in New Zealand, I had to do everything. I had to wash my patients. I had to walk my patients. I had to take them down to the OR. We did everything. And so when I came here and started working, I found that really hard, letting go of that, because yeah. I was depending on those people to be doing what I considered to be my job. And so, yeah. so that was a huge difference for me. 
Yeah. So, so hang on. So the people that are listening that aren't from um, here in Quebec, so PAVs for us are préposés aux bénéficiaires, which means in English, it's basically uh, like a nurse, um, nurse's assistant or nurse's aide. Yeah. Um, or what's the word for it now? I'm looking for the word. Oh, they can, well, orderlies, I guess is one name. They orderlies, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so that was one big thing. And the second big thing was in New Zealand, we were not allowed to put in IVs. Um, we used to bitch and moan about it because we used to have to wait on the doctors to come and replace the IVs. And we were always like, we could what? do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, pretty bad. So when I went to do my training at John Abbott, that is the one thing that terrifies me. And I have to say, <laughs> it's still not something that I feel comfortable in. And it's because... I didn't used to do it. I mean, I could do it. Mm -hmm. um, same with blood draws. Mm -hmm. We never used to do any of that sort of stuff. So, so now when I'm teaching wow. it, I, at the beginning, I was very hesitant. I mean, now I've done it enough that it's, it's okay, but uh, mm -hmm. it's still something that kind of bothers me, but I believe it has changed in New Zealand since um, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I need to uh, get you to interview some of my New Zealand colleagues. <laughs> That would be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, it's cool that you're still in touch with them. I mean, like I'm, I'm in touch with only like maybe one or two from school. Yeah, and that's only been like a year ago. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's just we all kind of, you know, you come together for a, a common interest, but then you go back out into the world doing all different things. So, um, yeah. I mean, I've met oh, you're on some that. fabulous nurses during my time who are best friends. So, I mean, the people that I train with is probably three that I still keep in touch with. But nurses I've worked with, I could put in a hand. Like there's probably three nurses who I worked with over, you know, what, 15 years that I actually still keep in touch with. So, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. So once you got out of school, where, like, what was your first job? So my first job, actually now there's a story behind that one too. So we were on orientation <laughs> at the Green Lane Hospital and um, we had sent in our requests of where we would like to be placed for our first job. And I just had basically said anything adult, but definitely not pediatrics. And of course, where did they want to place me was in a pediatric unit. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Thankfully, there was a woman who was sitting right beside me who had been placed in adult cardiology and she wanted to be in pediatrics. So we just went up to the supervisor or whatever and said, hey, can we swap? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> and, you know, I often think back more these days like I wonder where I would be and how my career would have developed had I gone that route instead of kind of standing my ground right from the start going I don't want to do that that that's not what I'm I'm in this for and I think it's because True, I was eh? just like a hair away from change. yeah exactly but I think too is because I was the youngest in my family so I really didn't have any experience with younger kids and I don't know even this day I don't like kids being sick like kids need to be well and it doesn't it just <laughs> makes me nervous when kids get sick and you know it's not so much the kid being sick but then you're having to deal with the parents as well um so I just mm -hmm. it's not something that interests me at all um, but I do often wonder if I had actually gone and done that first job in pediatrics, wonder what, what path my career would have taken. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm like, I've, I kind of feel the same way though about pediatrics. I've said this before, like in other interviews too, and, and to my friends, like for pediatrics, 
I wouldn't know what in the world to do, like, if one was in my care. Like, well, it would, I guess it would also just break my even heart. with adult patients. Yeah. What's, what's that? It would just break my heart seeing kids sick, especially yeah. kids who have you know terminal cancers and and just horrible you know birth defects or issues that are. I, you know, chronic, I, ju I just like, I, d I just feel so bad for the parents having to deal with that. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how much of me I could give as a nurse because I think I would just be a cot case myself all the time. So. Well, I just don't know that I would be comforting like as a nurse to a pediatric patient. Cause I'm very like, even with my adult patients, like not that, not that I have like no patience for them it's just that, like i'm very to the point i don't try to sugarcoat like i try to make them feel better but i give them like i'm a straight shooter and i, don't, I wouldn't know how to sugarcoat it with yeah, kids do you know what exactly. i mean like i wouldn't know how to make them feel like i'm not the mushy type <laughs> like. hey listen i've got three kids and, and even i don't sugarcoat things with my kids so. yeah i think i would just be way like i i just would be too too much of like straight to the point mm. but i think too <laughs> with that. kids it's just such a different ball game because as i said you're not only just dealing with a child you're actually dealing with the parents and then you're dealing with how they were brought up and the educational backgrounds mm -hmm. socioeconomic there's so many things i mean yes it comes into adults but i don't think you know, because you've really got to get to know that child to make them feel comfortable. And I, it's just something that I, I'm not interested in doing. And I know what my comfort zone is. I know even evolving through my nursing career, you know, I did get bored always after a couple of years. And so I moved on to something else. But now with the teaching, I find that because it's so varied, I don't feel the need that I have to change careers all the time because every day is a different day, you know? So, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. So where did you go from there? Then? Okay. So I spent about six months in, it was a, a cardiac investigation unit for adults. So basically we're sitting on time wow. bombs. Um, I learned wow. my very first patient. <laughs> I was on orientation my first day on the unit. Um, they're like, oh, you know, you can go down and see an angioplasty being done. And I'm like, great. So I was with this patient. I helped the nurse do the shave and all the pre-op care and everything because they prepare them as if they, if something goes wrong, then they have to go and have immediate bypass surgery, right? So, right. Um, so I helped with that. And then I went down into the cath lab and they're doing the angioplasty and he damn well arrested on the table and my last vision of that guy is him being wheeled into the elevator with a doctor straddling his chest doing CPR. And oh my God. And he died. <laughs> so that was oh no. So that was my very first patient. So to be honest, I felt like throwing it in like right on day one. And I really had to like, you know, they really had to pick me up and pull me together to actually carry on. Um, yeah, no shit, of yeah, course. Yeah. So, so that was pretty awful. Wow. Um, and a lot of the patients in that unit were very sick. They were either waiting on pacemakers, on surgery, um, angioplasties. We had a lot of um, cardiomyopathy. Um, it was, it was basically, it was, it was awful to be honest. And I just remember working night shifts and like I was the only other nurse with like a senior nurse and I was scared like I was really scared but I learned a lot on that unit like I could do ECGs the old-fashioned way very well um, we had a lot of heparin drips and 
Um, we were always uh, monitoring for arterial bleeding from the cath site and what have you. So it, it was super interesting, but I was like, after a while it became very routine. So I was like, oh, and we had so much chest pain. Oh my God. Like I gave so much morphine and um, uh, doing the oxygen and all that sort of stuff. It was just like, it was routine. Like every day you would have at least three people having a heart attack or angina attack on your floor. So wow. yeah. how, many, how many patients did you have in your care? Like on you a shift? I can't remember. Like what were the I ratios? I can't remember. I really can't remember. Um, I don't recall being as stressed out on that floor um, on night shift I was, but during the day I didn't feel as as agitated as the the right. anxiety that I felt when I was working on a surgical floor at a hospital here in Montreal after I did my training. Like that was brutal. <laughs> that was the worst. Wow. So I think our number ratios were a little bit better back in those days. And we had a real team camaraderie. Like we really worked together. Um, we really helped each other. Um, particularly when I was working in orthopedics, like you had to, because we had people in halo traction that required um, four yeah. people to turn somebody over. Um, so, so you really worked as a team. But the other advantage I felt in New Zealand is we did the allocation geographically, whereas here you kind of do it in a very strange way. <laughs> like you just kind of pick patients from all over the place. So you can have one patient in one room and another nurse has got the other patient. And I just never understood that. And I still don't understand that. So what do you mean? Like you guys would have it separated by? By rooms. Like so how, they, and When I was working okay. in orthopedics, we had four six better rooms and then three single rooms, side rooms. And so one nurse would have the three single rooms because they were usually the sicker patients. And then there would be one nurse mm -hmm. for every six patients in the other rooms. And then we would never have males or females, never. Like that was unheard of. Like you always found a way to keep males in one room and females in another room. So I don't know how we did it, but that was how it worked. Wow. So, um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was quite nice. But um, and then when I worked in ENT, which was actually before orthopedics, it was a very old army barracks, actually, that I worked in. <laughs> and we used to, uh, on night cool. shift, okay, this is a creepy story. Night shift, if you're sitting in the nurse's station and you put your feet up on the, you know, on the, on the table just to kind of get five minutes of peace, you would hear yeah. the rats, like, gnawing in the wood. <laughs> e if you walked into the kitchen and you turned the light on, it would move because there were so many cockroaches and the cockroaches were at least two inches big as well. And so I, I'm you not kidding? kidding. So I laugh like crazy. You know, they find this teeny tiny little cockroach and they're getting the exterminator. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I'm not going to tell them the story from when I worked in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> But um, you're working there, you're like, you're a bunch of Yeah, wimps. I know. But it was like, <laughs> Auckland was pretty kind of subtropical, I guess. So we have a bit, and it was an old building. It has actually been demolished. I would be pleased to let your listeners know. Um, but, um, and patient care was not compromised because of it. But, but it was, it was a really old, old, old building. And it was actually quite creepy because I don't know if you, I'm sure you know U2, the band, and they have a song, One Tree Hill. 
Well, well, that yeah. song is actually about the one tree that was on the hill right next to this hospital that I worked in. Yeah, no way. Because yeah, uh, one of their roadies was actually from New Zealand. And I think he died, actually. And they, I think that song is actually a tribute to him. One, one, the oh, tree wow. actually isn't there anymore, by the way. I think it got cut down. It had a disease or something. But, um, but yeah, no, that. Okay, I have to find, I've got to find, like, I'm going to put, like, a pin on it on a Google map and, like, put it up on the Facebook there page. There you go. <laughs> Amazing what you find out in the awesome. podcast, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. That's incredible. Yep. So, that's, I mean, like, that's some, like, unique conditions to be working but in. But you know what? At the time, um, I didn't you must even, have been... I didn't even bet an eye. I, I must admit I was scared working night shift there because it did back onto the park mm -hmm. and um mm -hmm. like it was just basically those push-up windows that anybody could have broken in I mean we didn't ever have any issues mm -hmm. but um I don't know it was just I, I was always a little uncomfortable working night shift there but I had wonderful colleagues and we had so much fun there oh my god we had a hoot on that floor yeah, shout out to night shift yeah. nurses because we're a whole like different breed. Like once you go into that yep. night shift, oh yeah, that's a whole other spark. <laughs> <laughs> so hang on, I want to I'm going to rewind yep. a bit, okay? Because I want to go back. You mentioned something earlier when you were working um, in the cardio unit. You said that you used to do ECGs the old-fashioned yep. way with the suction cups. What was that like? <laughs> With suction, okay, you got to describe You've this never to me. Heard of this? Oh my god! So you you used no. to actually have to. <laughs> So you had to put gel. So you used to have to find all the places that they put the leads on a patient. And they still use the same places today using the electronic method, apart from actually, mm -hmm. I think now they just put them on your arms and your legs. Whereas we used to place them on your chest and like, I think it was about eight different places. And yeah, well, no, I mean, it depends on how many leads yeah, you're yeah. using, right? Because like, we still have the ones that'll have like a 12 or a yeah, 10. Yeah. And so these were little yeah. suction cups. So you had to put some lubricant on the patient's chest and then you would like put the suction cup on their chest and and you <laughs> would have all these suction cups on them and then they couldn't move, right? And then you would push a button yeah. and it would take the the ECG recording. Yeah, so it was a little more time consuming. Um, but gosh, in those days, I could even read ECGs. I could pick heart blocks and sinus arrhythmias and arrhythmias and wow. all this. I could, don't ask me to do that now. But um, yeah, we that's basically what we were doing all the time because we also had monitors at the nurses station and we were just watching to see the rhythms, bearing in mind that these patients were waiting for something or had just had something you know investigative done and they were they were time bombs so we were just wanting to see what was going on yep super super interesting wow. okay so after that if i'm if i'm getting this correct so after this you worked at the barracks or was that yeah, before so no wait you worked before so, yeah, Gre so green lane hospital was the hospital that had the barracks so i worked in the cardiology unit in the main unit in the main part of the hospital then the ear nose and throat was in the army barracks and um yeah oh, so that you? was the really old unit but the nice thing about that place was that i did both pediatrics and adults plus we had like kind of just routine like day surgeries you know tonsils and adenoids for the kids um septoplasties for the adults um a lot of um, moringoplasties air surgery 
Um, but then we also had the um, huge, like, treaks, um, a major surgery mainly for cancers of the larynx. So that was, it was a, just a really nice mix of nursing because you got a little bit of everything. And so if we had a patient that went and had this um, major head and neck surgery, we would actually be the ones that had to then go to spend um, the first 24 hours with them in ICU. And so we would basically one-on-one -on -one those patients until they came back to the unit when they were more stable. Um, so, so it was actually wonderful. And I, I've actually got some fantastic pictures of, we had four patients that basically lived there because they were palliative and they had nowhere else to go. Mm. And I watched a couple mm. of them pass away, which was pretty traumatic and sad, but, um, it was like, we were their family yeah. and I don't know, we just, as nurses, they were our family too. It was just a really really nice atmosphere to work in and so okay so from, so from ENT, there I then went to orthopedics and I was in orthopedics probably for a good three years actually so that was actually at another hospital but in Auckland mm -hmm. it was kind of all under the same umbrella kind of like a Seuss um, so although it was a different site okay. it was still run by the Auckland Area Health Board um, and Okay. And so a CS, again, is uh, for the listeners, a CS is basically like a governing body of different hospitals or uh, healthcare yep. facilities. So, um, so I worked in orthopedics for three years, I believe, um, and had, um, that, that was also really interesting because we had, we had a lot of fractured neck of femurs, um, but we also had young trauma as well. So we had a lot of uh, like car accidents, um, like s compound fractures and people in um, external fixators, um, halo traction, like I mentioned before. Uh, we had people coming back for skin grafts. Um, we had people that would have compartment syndrome or develop it on the floor. So I saw a lot of that. Um, and, and so it was actually, that was probably my biggest area of major learning um, because there was just so many different variants going on. Um, and at that point too, I used mm -hmm. to do a little bit of charge nurse and, you know, I kind of had gained some confidence and some seniority as a nurse. So, so that was, um, yeah, although I have to say it kind of burnt me out too. <laughs> Orthopedics is heavy. Yeah, orthopedics really? is super heavy. Yeah. And I think the only time I've been assaulted as a nurse was by like a little 81-year-old lady who had had a fractured neck of femur. <laughs> it was always upsetting because they had to wait sometimes like 72 hours at least before they had their surgery. So they would become delirious. And I was bitten, scratched, clawed, <laughs> smacked, whatever, by like these old ladies. <laughs> it's like, what the heck? Um, but it wasn't them. It was yeah. the, you know, the process of being in pain, um, not being in their own environment, being kept MPO for so long. Um, it was. Well, and one of the side effects medication. of some of the yeah, exactly. painkillers. Yeah. So, no, so that was, that was pretty stressful. Mm -hmm. So, but again, had a fantastic team. Um, you know, it was all about the team. Like that's what held us together as nurses because the work sometimes oh my god such yeah. a difference and i know even today if you're out there on a the floor like 
when you come on duty and you're looking at who's on, you're like, oh, great, great team on today. And then if you see a couple of names, you're like, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But it's the nature of the beast, right? So it's unfortunate that a lot of people actually forget that they were students once before and or they were learning and yeah. and that's always my line yeah. even today if i have a staff member come and harass me about a student i'm just like hey listen you know they're they're learning um you were can you remember being a student <laughs> and that's all i have to say often just to mm -hmm. shut them up mm -hmm. because they were we were all students at one point yep and we've i think like everyone will go through at least one point where they have been like in a bullied situation or put in like just an unpleasant situation yep. at least with uh with a co-worker and everybody yep. has to I've keep had that, that in even mind, as a senior you know? nurse <laughs> I, I had that happen not too mm -hmm. long ago and I was like absolutely gobsmacked that somebody would challenge me in mm -hmm. front of like 10 other nurses and you know it's like wow. are you for real like do you think that this could be something that you could have pulled me aside and said hey you know, I didn't appreciate what you did or you did this wrong. You should look at this or whatever, but mm -hmm. no, to actually attack in full audience is unacceptable. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just a, it's just a way for them yep. to try to regain their power. It's something that's really important for like new nurses to know. And I'm still obviously very much a new nurse, but I have been in those situations already. And uh, I think like new nurses need to know yep. or students even have to know this like it's gonna happen you are going to cut your teeth on this and you just gotta be tough and if you need to go to the bathroom and cry go to the bathroom and cry but when you come back out to the yeah. team show them that you're strong because I think a lot of it unfortunately comes from like some nurses checking out to see if you are yeah. tough enough to be on the team you know or yeah. oh yeah you, you know what I mean yeah. like it, it really sucks, but yeah, I mean, that's something that's um, that's reality in every industry. But I, to be yeah, honest, I find it's worse here. I've never seen. An, it, you mean here, Quebec. as in like well, in Quebec, or you mean here, here as in nursing? nursing. Like, yeah, I can't talk for the rest of Canada, but compared yeah. to New Zealand, I really felt way more supported and nurtured as a nurse in New Zealand than what I did coming here. Like I really felt that people were just waiting on you to make a mistake or weren't willing to help you because they didn't have mm -hmm. the time or whatever. And again, that goes back to why mm -hmm. I went teaching. It was because, you know what, I if there's anything I can give back to this industry, it's to prepare nurses for what is reality. And unfortunately, that is part of the reality. It's not just knowing the why, but it's actually knowing what you're going to be faced against in your workplace and it's mm -hmm. it's unfortunate that we have to do that mm -hmm. but you do and i think they see enough of it as students anyway yeah. like i think most students actually probably get a wee taste of it out there yeah so mm -hmm. yeah and i think like there's there's a few correlations there though like you said when you in quebec we do have a lot of the french it's not so much french versus english although some for some people it is but like there is a lot of the, you have the English nurses, you have the French nurses, and mm -hmm. who's going to be the tougher one in the team. And then you have, like, I think, you know, you said that in New Zealand, there wasn't as much of a shortage, or you didn't have as off of ratios for patients to nurse. Oh. Here there are. 
I think there's a lot more pressure, a lot more like stress oh, behind the job. You know, yeah, no, I, I really, honestly, yeah. I, I feel so thankful that I'm not on the front line these days. Like, I don't know if I would survive with mm -hmm. that, what you guys are having to go through, um, given, first of all, you've got terrible staff-patient ratios, but then you're also dealing with a virus and all mm -hmm. that gear, and it's just like, and then bringing it home to your family, mm -hmm. and I'm just like, oh my God, I am so thankful that I'm not in that every day. And I, I praise the nurses. I like worship everything that anyone is doing out there as a frontline healthcare worker. And even if you're the cleaning person or the PAB, and, and that's one thing that I will always reiterate to, to my students and as a nurse myself is no one is, we're all part of a team. And the person who cleans the room is equally as important as you are giving care to mm -hmm. a patient mm -hmm. so don't you treat them like shit because i Absolutely. see people talk down to them and i mm -hmm. see people like be so disrespectful and i cannot stand doctors who think mm -hmm. that they're god and talk down to nurses and mm -hmm. i nearest near the time that i was leaving a position at a hospital here i lost it with a doctor because he was just so rude to me i'm like who do you think you are like, I'm sorry, this is my assessment on yeah. a situation and you need to come and see the patient. You know, so yeah. like you can either do that or not, but whatever you do, it's going in the notes. <laughs> so don't, but don't give me shit for yeah, trying exactly. to do my job. So I, I learned to be, yeah. I, I think yeah. being in Quebec, I actually became much more, not, aggressive is not the word, assertive, much more assertive as a nurse. Mm -hmm. Because yep, yeah, because that's a good word for it. Yep, you just get eaten up, swallowed, and spat out the other side. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think anywhere too, it's going to be the same thing anywhere in the world. Because if it's not going to be your colleagues or your superiors, yep. it's going to be your patients. You have to be sure of yourself. You have to build that character. And even if you, I mean, like they say, fake it till you make it. You know, like of course, don't don't put yourself or anybody in danger, but you know, you gotta, you gotta be sure of yourself and you have to show that confidence. Like if you don't have trust in yourself, but, your patient is not going right. to be there and nor yeah. your colleagues. And I think a lot of the times patients don't yeah. actually realize like you're their nurse <laughs> and they just think that you're just there mm -hmm. for them. Like they don't realize that you might have seven other people that you have to look after. And, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. I, <laughs> I mean, I almost got into like, I almost lost it. And that was the time that I thought, okay, that's time for me to get out of nursing when I'm starting to get, you know, short tempered with people that seem to think that my job is to make them a cup of tea when I've got six of patients who I haven't even seen, you know, and you're trying to explain that to them and yep. they're now asking you for your license number. And I'm just like, okay, go ahead take it. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. but I have other priorities. Yeah. And as a nurse, it's my responsibility to prioritize and making you a cup of tea right now is not my priority i'm really sorry but you know and then for her saying oh show me your yeah. license i'm like go ahead <laughs> please <laughs> so so yeah i, I got very oh, disillusioned gosh. near the end of my actual you know one-on-one -on -one patient nursing um which ended i guess uh six years ago so yeah i just i i was getting fed up out with being treated like a 
uh, an air hostess or like expecting things that you know yeah i mean yeah. their job is to make you a yeah yeah their a job waitress a rather than that's not my job so you know so yeah. anyway but you brought up a good point too earlier about treating the orderlies and even like the cleaning attendants with the utmost respect because people don't especially now like with covid or any kind of infectious control any kind of isolation room like it's so important that that room be mm -hmm. clean to the utmost for the next patient going in for the next nurse going in and also for the patient's health like if you're in a room that's got like crap all over the floor uh plastics and wrappers and what, it's just you don't feel no. like you don't feel well you know like you're in a clean room you are probably gonna heal better or quicker there's got to be something i'm gonna have to look yeah. that up there's got to be something to do with that like the cleanliness of a room there has to well, have, have effects to on, the, you, on the psyche this goes back you know? to another story from orthopedic days i had the reputation for making the barbara bed <laughs> and that was yeah because <laughs> i barbara bed. and i and i still <laughs> teach my students this to this day and mind you, I don't really teach basic care, but when I'm out on stage, I always say to my students, you know, before you leave the room, turn around and look at your patient. And if they're in a messy bed and if there's crap mm. all over the place and like they don't look cared for, it's like putting a um, mm -hmm. tape on a dressing that you just ripped off and it's all over the place. Like it looks unprofessional. Mm -hmm. Like take a look, stand back and take a look at the work that you've mm -hmm. done. And ask yourself, does my patient look cared for? Do they look comfortable? And do does their surroundings look pleasant? When there's all mm -hmm. this crap on the tray table and the bed's all messy and their hair's not brushed, they're unshaven, mm -hmm. like, I'm sorry, it's unacceptable. So the basics are so important yeah. for making, like if a relative walks in the room and they saw that, they'd be like, what the heck's going on here? So like you're, yeah, definitely. And again, it comes down to trust, right? I mean, like, is that relative or that patient going to trust the team that's caring for them exactly, if they can't even exactly. keep the room so, decent? So that to me is bottom you know? line stuff. Um, and I still preach that mm -hmm. when I'm out there. So. <laughs> awesome. So, okay, um, let's pick up where we left off. So, I mean, do you want to do you want to get into how you started teaching um, so, well, once you left I that side? Career or I did so after orthopedics, I then went yeah. um, community nursing. Um, so so basically, I joined awesome. a team that was stationed um, in a suburb of Auckland, and from there, we used to go to different um, parts of the city to visit patients at home. So I used to do anything from actually bathing a patient because, uh, again, we didn't have home care or any of that sort of stuff. We were the home care. Uh, so bathing, um, asthma education, mm -hmm. um, wound care, palliative care, diabetes and all like all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. It was it was really fantastic. But you needed um, to actually get into that team. You needed to have a significant amount of experience as a nurse before being able to go into somebody's home and take care of them. So I had the experience, I got the job. And actually before yeah. um, I left to come here, I was actually the charge nurse for that team. And, but I was also pregnant with my daughter. So oh. when I came here, um, I had actually just delivered her. It was kind of still on maternity leave. And um, 
if I had oh, wow. have stayed in New Zealand, I would have applied for that job. And the reference that the boss gave me at the time said that she would have given it to me. So, so I guess I can kind of say that I would have been a charge oh, nurse wow. if I stuck around long enough, like a real charge nurse. I was basically just um, filling in for somebody. So, but that was a really good experience. But to be honest, charge mm. nurse was it was always something I aspired to as a young nurse. But once I realized what it was about, I'm like, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. It's like being an administrator for a school. <laughs> like, I mean, I I love teaching. I love being with the students. But to actually be, all you're doing as an administrator is actually dealing with people's problems. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, I deal with enough problems in my day mm-hmm. without dealing with everybody else's. <laughs> scheduling. So And scheduling, yeah. I actually used to do yeah. the the roster for yeah. um, the nurses on the floor in orthopedics, and it was just such a nightmare because people would, I, well, I wanted this and you wanted that, and that, and I'm like, oh, for God's sake! So I I'm totally, I have to say, I'm probably <laughs> one of the more flexible people in my job right now in terms of when it comes to requesting things for teaching because. I've mm-hmm. been there, I've done that, and I know how challenging it is. Plus, my dad used to do the mm-hmm. timetable for the his teachers when he was working um, at school, and I was just a little girl, and I used to go help him. Oh. And I can remember watching him going, how do you do this, Dad? Like, there's just so many buttons to push. Like, and these, those days, it was an old, like, cork board on the, the, the wall, and I'm like, how do you do this? And he's like, oh, <laughs> trust me, there's an art to this one. So, so I'm very cognizant of that. <laughs> as um, I was very cognizant as a nurse, and even more so as a teacher, when mm. we're asked for our preferences and for leave, and you know, what do you want for vacation? I try to be as flexible as mm. possible because I know what a headache it is. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you've been there. But I don't want to be an administrator. Don't want to be a charge wow. nurse. No, not interested. <laughs> I don't know how they, like, well, as an LPN, you can't be. And to be honest with you, a lot of times, like, I get asked, like, oh, are you going for your RN? And yeah, okay, maybe. But to be honest, like, if I did, no, 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 no way. I don't want to be in charge. Well, I, don't <laughs> I don't want to be in charge. Yeah, well, I think it's something. It's just too much. Of, it's, it's nice to say that you've been there, done that, but. There's just too many headaches. For me, the problem here is I don't. I'm not confident enough with my French. I can take care of patients, but when it comes to mm. meetings and, and all that sort of stuff, like my French isn't strong enough to actually be able to sit in a room mm. and have a conversation with people that are bilingual or even francophone. Like I, I just can't do right. that. So I know I'm never going to do any of those things, right. and that's okay. I'm, I'm totally over that. So. <laughs> the language barrier i mean like but you can get by like you can yes. definitely get by first of all you can get by in french but second you can get by without oh yeah like being fluent in french over here well, too. I have to say that like I've, we have I've both been systems. At a huge advantage but um and even like even today somebody asked me where are you from <laughs> like oh for god's sake i've been here for 25 years <laughs> and people are and don't because my new zealand <laughs> friends think i sound canadian <laughs> Um, so I can't seem to win wherever I go, but, <laughs> but it's interesting because it's actually been probably one of the biggest gifts that I've had working here as a nurse, because it's been a source of a conversation starter. So often patients will say, yeah. And they'll often say, oh, well, oh I can see that. And, 
off we go. Yeah. And so maybe they're speaking to me in French and I, I speak back to them in French and then they're like, oh, you know, they notice they have an accent and then they switch to English and it's fine. So I've actually, mm -hmm. there's only one time that I had an issue with a client that was French speaking and, and it was, um, I ended up in the charge nurse's office about it, but uh, he was like, you know what? Don't worry about it. We've had a lot of issues with this particular patient. Um, not a big deal. So mm -hmm. I was kind of relieved about that. Um, I didn't have the officer long français down my throat at least. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think that's um, that's something that a lot of listeners will be able to relate to because we have a lot of um, – people here that come from the Philippines or I know even in England um, I was speaking to a nurse and she was saying that there's a lot of people from the Philippines that go there there's uh, mm -hmm. like there's just you know everybody kind of migrates right and um, for sure language yep. is going to yep. be like there's going to be a and, barrier, and I hate that because you know? I, I really but, I was like whenever I was given my assignment I'd be like oh please 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 let every, all my patients be English speaking because I really although I'd passed the exam and obviously had been able to demonstrate ability, I'm not comfortable. And and mm -hmm. there's a difference between ability and comfort, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I really just felt that as a nurse, mm -hmm. I could give way better care to somebody speaking my mother tongue. And it was just being able to pick up on those little nuances mm -hmm. that they say. And I don't know. I just, I even to this day, I get really nervous when I have a French patient. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, like, there's that, there's that level of relatable mm -hmm. or relatableness. Is that even a word? But like, just yep. being able to relate to your patient and vice versa. You That's know, like right. building that yep. confidence, building that trust together. Yep. Okay, so All then right, once so I take us from there then. did my district nursing, then my husband at the time got a job um, mm -hmm. here in Montreal. So it was meant to be for one year. Well, we're all still here. I've actually ditched him in the meantime, but um, <laughs> I came with one child, now has three. Mm -hmm. um, my baby is 20. So yeah, we've been here for a while. Um, my, my baby is 20. Your baby is um, 20. So... <laughs> So as I, you know, when I started off talking here, it was like I realized that nursing was still a passion and to work, you needed to have friends. So I'm like, oh, why don't I just go back? So after doing the transition to nursing, I then got a job. Um, actually, I was meant to get a job working in ICU because they, the, the, the hospital that I went and had, to the, had the interview for felt that I had enough qualities and expertise to actually join the team but the only reason I didn't do it was because they mm -hmm. were not starting their rotation of orientation until like six weeks later and I'm like no I need to start working now so um so I ended up in a surgical floor right. um <sighs> that was interesting um I probably had more meltdowns and tears and stress and what the hell am I doing this for in the nine months that I was there than I've ever had in my whole nursing career. Yep. No, it was surge. On med surge? General surge. Yep. But okay. Okay. I had okay. set myself up to do that because I wanted to make sure that I had the skills to be a nurse to go anywhere 
And I knew my ultimate goal was to go to mm. postpartum. Um, but I didn't feel comfortable going in there unless okay. I'd really been challenged on the skills that I felt were important to have going into that unit. And I'm, yeah, and I'm so thankful that I did that because there were a couple of occasions that they really came in very handy. So, um, you know, postpartum is wonderful. It's usually a super happy place, but when things go wrong, they go really wrong. And they go really wrong really fast and it's scary because you're not only dealing with somebody who's young and supposedly healthy who's just had a baby but you've also got a baby sitting in the room there as well so um and i had a couple of very scary situations there that um basically made me really question sometimes whether or not i wanted to keep doing this as a nurse so yeah, I that's had you right. actually for uh, yeah, for mother yeah, and newborn right. on the clinical. Well, it is my cool. it's my um, it's my baby. Yeah. Say. It's my like I would say that's probably my strongest point Just because it's yeah. my most recent place that I worked in. Um, but I feel like okay. honestly, as a teacher, I'm so thankful to have such a huge background in nursing because. I, I'm I'm really one for telling stories as well when I'm teaching, and I I've already said I like to teach the why, mm -hmm. and the why makes so much more sense when you have a little story to go with it. And I've got I've got tons yep. of context, context to put things into. Mm -hmm. So um, so I, I feel that it really <laughs> gives me a good leg up and a good solid base for helping students get stuff. So, and that's my ultimate goal, you know, is to make them understand and and know why they're doing things. I mean, I had I had students um, not so long ago, and yeah, um, like I said to them, so why do we do vital signs? And they all looked at me like as if I'd asked them why is there a man on the moon? You know, it was like this this kind of crazy question, and they're like <laughs> looking at me blankly, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> You know, okay, I have to say, though, as a, as a student, as a recent student, um, I think there were some times that, like, teachers would ask questions, and sometimes I would be like, is she asking that for real? Is this a trick question? Or is this deeper than, like, and I think you just become scared to answer because you're like, oh, okay, maybe. <laughs> I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt then, but um, yeah, go, cut those and slack. No, no, I, just, I don't know. I, just, I think that when you can put things into context, it just makes it yeah. so much easier for students to understand. And like, if I'm, I'm showing a tip, like I, I was just mm -hmm. actually in school yeah. last week doing um, infection control, so doing dressing, you know, showing them the sterile technique for changing dressings. Mm. And I just made, always tried to link things back to the rationale mm -hmm. behind doing things. Like, and I teach students to put out all the dry stuff first before pouring the saline, just because, you know, if you're, if you poured your saline and then you start opening up your dry stuff and it lands in the wet stuff, then you're screwed, right? <laughs> so, so mm -hmm. pull the saline last, mm -hmm. like you can move yeah. something if it's in the way of the tray, but if it gets wet, you know, you're potentially then contaminating your whole sterile fields if it's seeping down onto it. So, so I always try to give rationale for doing things. And I find students, when they can understand the why, yeah. then it just makes it so much more 
easier for them to actually get it. You were, you were no bullshit. <laughs> you were an awesome teacher and you were no bullshit. You were just like, you know, awesome. you didn't, you didn't baby us and you weren't one of the teachers that was like, okay, guys, this is going to be on the exams. Do so you need to know this, 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 and that? No, you kind of made us know, you said it straight yeah. from the beginning. You're like, you know, you, you need to know everything. You need to know, like, you're, you're not going to get away with this, <laughs> like, <laughs> which was awesome because that made, well, I mean, for myself, right. I could say that it helped me develop some critical thinking skills. <laughs> you taught us um, pharmacology. And you really showed us like how to see the process of the disease and the treatment, the medication that's given. Uh, yeah. And that oh, like critical absolutely. thinking has a massive part to do with that. So I, I think it's fantastic the way like you, you got into that and you just didn't, again, you didn't baby the students. You were like, listen, guys, well, it's going to be tough. And this is what you need to know. So, so get on it. Teaching you know? to be successful as a um, student in my course, you need to survive out there in the big wide world. Plus you need to spend mm -hmm. $500 to pass an exam. So I'm not doing you any service by telling you what's mm -hmm. going to be in an exam and not giving you the skills to actually be able to use your brain and figure things out for yourself. So I, as a teacher, I have an ethical Absolutely. obligation to do that for you as a student. And I, it, it breaks my heart that there's still spoon feeding and babying and telling students what's in the exam because you're actually not doing them any service at all. And absolutely. Absolutely. You might be like the, uh, the friendly yeah, teacher yeah, or whatnot, but no, it's I mean, not, it's you not. Know, and it's actually it's, about, it's not about safety that. and lives in the end. So, um, so I, I've, i I will always be that type of teacher. Um, I will support a student hundred percent. Like if you don't, if you're not in class and you're just not showing up, then forget it. But if you actually make a point of, you know, communicating with me and saying, hey, I'm having this issue and blah, 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 then I'm I'm all for supporting you in whatever way I can, as long as you're the one that's actually putting in the spade work to actually be successful. But I'm not going to chase after students that don't care mm -hmm. that that are expecting handouts and stuff when they haven't bothered to show up or haven't bothered to be professional because you know what you're not going to survive five right. minutes out in industry if you do that yeah. and I think it's so important to treat students like they're going to be treated out in industry because you're not going to get away with that shit out there and 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 you should not get away with that stuff so if For you're sure. if you're talking back to me, if you're carrying on in class, I'm sorry. Um, I don't want you in my class because you need to learn how to, you know, f filter and yeah. and shut your mouth if necessary. Because I don't know what you're going to say to a patient if somebody starts yelling at you. You need to show composure, compassion, and professionalism in those moments. Like that's what this is about. It's not just about knowing, you yeah. know, your your drugs For and sure. your processes and techniques and blah, 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 blah. It's also about professionalism. Yeah, for sure. Well said. Because, I mean, if you don't know how to get along with that oh, in yeah. school, you're yeah. going to have a tough time out there. Oh, yeah. But I have to say as a teacher, <laughs> I, I've actually, to be honest, I can tell 
if I get a group of students in my class and I'm meeting them for the first time, I can tell within the first three hours of teaching them who's going to make it or who's not going to make it. Awesome. So, all right. So you got, when you started teaching, yes. did you start teaching yeah. right away at the nope, same school I've that you're at now or did you so, um, move around? I've been there. Okay. love it. Um, oh my God, I feel sorry for the students that had me for the first competency that, that I taught, which was musculoskeletal. Um, but <laughs> honestly, I feel I'm oh. super comfortable with my job now. I, you know, I spend hours and hours and hours prepping at the beginning, but now I've taught things so many times that I'm pretty good at, with my time management and what have you. Mm. Plus I went and did my university degree in teaching. So that helped a lot. Um, yeah. So, oh. yeah, no, I, I, this is my calling. This is what I wanted to do. I love it. Um, love to hate it sometimes hate to love it sometimes but um yeah no i for the most <laughs> part it's 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 great i mean there's always going to be moments but you can't have a job that's perfect so um there's always the student that challenges you there's always a colleague that yeah, drives you crazy sure. um you go out on stage and you go into different places and it's like I actually feel like I'm being challenged and tested every time I go to a new place that I have to prove myself that I'm a capable teacher of keeping my students under control or so it's nice when you're going back somewhere because they know you but when you're walking in a door for the first time and they don't know you there's absolutely that on your shoulders as a teacher and I so far so good I haven't been asked not to go back somewhere so I guess that's a good thing so um, I hear stories from like... other staff members um like they say to me oh my gosh you know it's so nice to have you here because at least mm -hmm. you actually supervise your students whereas others kind of kind of dump their students in and don't mm. take care of them or don't watch what they're doing and basically expect the staff to take mm -hmm. care of them um but I'm on top of those as far as I'm concerned when I'm out on stage yeah. they're working on my license which they're technically not but that's the way I approach it because I I just feel that I want to dot the i's and cross the t's wow. as if they were my patients so yeah yeah so that that's yeah, that's yeah, the approach definitely. I've always taken. Um, that's awesome. Maybe it's a bit harsher on myself, but I don't know. I just, I, I would hate to think something was missed because I had missed it as a teacher and I hadn't checked up on my student. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And they, they are, in the end, students. So, I mean, like, they're fortunate to be doing their clinical like in a place that's going to allow them to be yeah. there and you are basically exactly. yeah you're you're like yeah you're going to exactly. be their eyes and, and ears. I always you got to make sure that everything is done you one of me so you have to take some responsibility if i'm not available then you have to go ask oh. the nurse um if something goes down and i'm busy you need to get the nurse like don't wait for me to tell me that the blood pressure is you know 80 on 50 and <laughs> It's like that doesn't work like that or the patients in mm -hmm. pain. You just have to pass it on and be responsible. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So when you started, because now, like you said, you have your flow, you know exactly like what you're going to do, how you're going to do it. Uh, you know, I'm sure every day is different nonetheless, but mm -hmm. you have your technique and you've got your routine down. But 
how would you say like you start off your day? You get into work. Oh, there's I imagine there's like some prep. Doesn't matter if you've taught taught something before or you've been out on stage before. It's always there's always a lot of preparation. So first you've got to look at the students that you have and because every group is different. Um and so you have to kind of tweak things a little bit to cater to them. And I have to say it's hard if you're teaching the same thing kind of back to back to back, which I've done recently actually is doing um, the obstetric stage in house. And I've done it like three times in a row, like in three weeks. So I've had three different bunches of students coming through. And I actually sometimes wonder, did I say that to them or was that the previous group? So, so so you kind of I don't I don't like teaching the same thing <laughs> to two different groups at the same time because I'm never sure if one of them gets more of me or less of me or you know so I find that a little too much um but but yeah no I I just find every time I teach mm-hmm. that like I like I'm about to teach obstetrics the theory online for the first time and unfortunately i lost my usb key about two years ago and at the time i was like devastated but i was like okay just forget it like you'll find as you go along what you're missing well i've just discovered that i've lost all my obs oh not all my obs stuff but all my recent obstetrics stuff that i created so like right now i'm having to redo everything which I would have had to have done anyway because teaching online is very different to teaching in-house. But it's it's like, ugh. <laughs> like it's a wow. lot of work to prepare one three-hour class. So they say for every hour is at least three hours of preparation. Um, now, if you, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So no but when you've taught it before, you're basically just wow. tweaking things, you know, making sure that everything's, you know, um, it still works. It's still current. It's, yeah, it's it's okay to still use. We have to be super on top of your scope of practice and and mm. ethics and all uh, the scope of practice more than the ethics because the ethics doesn't really change. But um, yeah, there's always things that are are, are evolving. Mm. And and as a teacher, you have a responsibility to know that stuff. So. Honestly, it's sometimes it's just a headache, <laughs> but <laughs> you may be teaching mm. the same course over and over again, but there's always something new that comes in depending on how you're teaching it, where you're teaching it, the type of students you're, you're teaching it to, um, that, that, that they're all factors that you need to consider. I, I, I think probably the students that are there now, I would like mm-hmm. to think yeah. that they're more into it because of the fact that they're now having to do this under quite different, you know, conditions and what have you. Um, so you really have to want to do this. Like, you know what's going yeah, on out there. And sure. if you're coming to nursing right now, that's commendable, right? Um but I, to be honest, Kat, I keep, yeah, um, I keep sure. statistics and for I've sure. been doing the statistics on our graduates since the licensing exam came in and the numbers are about the same. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. we're probably harsher on okay. the students for, you know, if you miss an exam twice, then you have to be reintegrated. Whereas before they kind of just kind of like people would pass mm-hmm. students because, oh, okay, whatever. 
But now with the licensing exam, it's really changed the ball game and mm. the best students get through. And if you've shown, right. my statistics prove this, that if you show commitment, motivation, um, desire, like you work hard, you study hard, you know your stuff and you don't miss class and you actually don't have to reintegrate too much, then there's a, like a 98% chance that you will be successful in that exam. So it proves that what we do as yeah. teachers, like stopping you, making you do something again, if you fail twice, it just proves that, you know, you didn't grasp it. So why would you just keep on going if you're not going to be successful in that exam in the end? Like you're actually better being unsuccessful in our exams and repeating something than actually paying $500 and failing. So, so I, I think what we've done as a school Absolutely. has been um, great for the students. The students don't like it, but in the end, we're doing students a favor. So, um, and, and the best, the cream of the crop get through, um, you're one yeah. of them. And you know what? You worked hard. You deserve it. You, you were in class. You oh, were sucks. interested, like committed, like all those things are just so important and you were responsible for your learning and the students that are always blaming their failure oh the teacher didn't tell me that or you know i'm sorry you have to take responsibility for yourself mm. and especially in this career like you can't you can't be blaming people for your mistakes like you have to own yeah it. and if you feel like you didn't learn something or something wasn't covered or you don't understand something you know, like you said, take responsibility yeah. for yeah. it. Don't put it on the teacher. Don't put it on yeah. your classmates. Don't no. Look exactly. it up or just ask look it up. the teacher. <laughs> like I make it very, look it I up. myself very available. <laughs> and for the students yeah. that that are always messaging me and what have you, I mean, sometimes I'm like, oh, for God's sake, like, what do you want now? But it, at least it's like, okay, at least she's taking an interest, you know, like she she's trying <laughs> and, and I'll give my 100% to those students. Yeah, exactly. But it's the ones that, and it goes back to that, what you know, what you don't mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. and what you don't know, you don't know. And it's that third group that's the issue, right? So... Um, and they're the mm -hmm. ones that <laughs> just cause havoc sometimes. So Awesome. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of prep for the class. And what about for, like, I'm sure you have, like, some students that you can tell they want no. to, but in the end, some people don't have it. You know, you're going to have, like, the odd time or you're going to have somebody that really wants you, know you but maybe yeah, they should. It, it's a tough one. How do you deal with that? You don't ever want to chop somebody you, I mean, like, off at the knees. Um, but usually the reason why people are mm -hmm. not being successful is because of some outside um, issue going on. And for the, yeah, for the, for the situations that I've encountered, mm -hmm. it's always been awesome. you know, something going on at home. They've got health issues. Like it's always something else. It's not, it's not actually them as a, a, a student. It's something else contributing to it. So, mm -hmm. um, so I just, you know, sit them down and say, Hey, listen, maybe this is, you know, mm -hmm. and I just put the bigger picture into their head. You know, the licensing exam is a great thing to throw at somebody in the $500 because then they're like, Oh yeah, well, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that. Right. So mm -hmm. I don't want to spend that money. I don't even have that money. 
So it's like, you know what, you need to get this yeah. sorted before you take yeah. that next step. And sometimes it's, and it's not shooting them down that they failed. It's like, okay, you didn't get it. So it's actually way better to, to redo this or take a break and come back to it and just kind of reevaluate what you want in life. Because like, and it even comes down mm -hmm. to like people not being able to come to mm -hmm. school on time or stage on time because they've got kids. It's like, well, you know, maybe it's not the right time. Yeah. How are you going to, like, you're not going to hold down a job. If you can't you're do it for school. fired within yeah. your probation mm -hmm. because you haven't been able to get to, to work on time. So, so you need to actually sort that issue out first before you then absolutely yeah exactly and so, your co-workers so are gonna hate you if most, you're late <laughs> i mean the, the situations that i've encountered usually they've kind of just worked themselves out i mean i'm sure some of the administrators at my school have other things going on that they have to deal with continuously um some people just don't get it um but you know what they're in the end mm -hmm. if they pass the exam then they're going to be a problem for their employer so i mean <laughs> good luck to them so I have faith that yeah. somewhere along the line they're going to be stopped yeah. or something's going to happen and, you know. But, you know, there's, I mean, and to be honest, I actually judge my students. Yeah. Like I, if I'm in lab or on stage with them, I look at them and go, would I want this student coming into my room when I'm in a hospital bed saying, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm going to be your nurse today, and me going, oh no <laughs> so part of me is like would i want them looking after me would i want them looking after my mother or my son or daughter you know so that that's yeah. kind of bottom line stuff and and it's not personality yep. it's more skills and um ability it's it's got nothing to do with personality i mean you can have the nicest student but they're, they just don't get it. You know, they're not safe. It's not sinking in. So, you know, you don't want to chop them off at the knees, but um, as I said, sometimes, and sometimes they go mm. back and they just do the PAB as well. So that's another thing they can fall back on if necessary. Right. The class for the orderly. Yeah. So how do you deal then with like a difficult student that might be interrupting the class? Is it as simple as like, you know, kicking them out of the class. I've I've had um I've had two students like mm. threatening each other in the classroom and had to to kick kick somebody out. Um, yeah, no, it's like no, I'm not going to tolerate what? that in my class. So it's like separation. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had instances where there's been obviously some friction between me and a student, and and I can think of two situations, and those students mm. actually ended up completing the course mm -hmm. finishing the course passing the exam um and i bumped into both of them one of them is even my facebook friend and she will like say to me oh i remember that day but she said thank you for that she said you were the one of the few teachers that actually <laughs> stood up to me and didn't put up with my bullshit so you know what sometimes they they they're like kids right they just need no. that authority and to say you know what i'm sorry i'm not putting up with that in my class mm. so and and then this situation i said to her look you know you weren't here yesterday if mm -hmm. you're welcome to continue doing the work that was we were doing yesterday but you're going to be always behind so my suggestion to you is to 
-hmm. now work with us and then you're going to have to deal with it in your own time and I kind of got the eye rolling and everything well within 10 minutes she was putting a hand up and what Mm -hmm. have you and she was fine but but she was just playing me so I think some of them have that ability even as adult students um sometimes I think probably dealing with adults is harder than kids sometimes um, because they come in with they have behaviors exactly um but but in their ways and and not challenging Mm -hmm. them in front of the whole class as well so when I had that discussion with her it was with her and me you know um so if you if you decide to to have a go at somebody in front of everybody else then then you're asking for trouble like that's unethical it's unprofessional and take them aside like say hey you know can we have a little chat after class or whatever so yeah for sure I mean like you you're definitely gonna throw somebody on the spot and they're gonna have to bite back as I said there's there's three situations I can think of and two of those three I have a wonderful relationship with the two students and still keep in touch with them they're graduates and um just wonderful people and it was just you know in some ways it was just a misunderstanding um and also I think because Mm. I believe I do have a bit of a reputation as being a little more hardball than some of the other teachers and and so they know that I'm not going to put up with stuff um Mm. do I like having that reputation I have no problem with it but it's like you know I'm I'm actually doing that for you it's not about me (laughs) like I'm not I'm not trying to be a cow or difficult is yeah. more this is a learning opportunity for you and I want you to make the most of it and I can give you a lot of tools to be successful if you are in my class oh, wow. and you're paying attention so if you choose not to be then you're just missing out on a lot of stuff so I spoke to somebody recently that uh, had told me that one of the jobs that they were at they were told that for the first few months be quiet and I was like, huh, interesting. And she's like, yeah, because we tend to challenge things. We think we tend to think, especially as adults, like we think that we have the experience and the knowledge and the know-how, mm-hmm. yep. whereas we know enough just to know how little we know. And she's like, I so I was actually, told like for the first few yep. months, just be quiet, <laughs> just listen, just pay attention. We're teaching you ways of doing things, but you might actually go out once you've got your, you know, your, your, um, certificate or whatever your license and you're actually going to see people do things like, a different way yeah. now you've got enough experience to look at that and go oh that's a really great technique mm-hmm. I really like that and then you can adapt what you're doing as long as you're obeying safety mm-hmm. hygiene mm-hmm. and asepsis right and I learn every day I actually learn from my students because they're taught by other teachers yeah, and I don't see my colleagues in the class right and so I have colleagues uh, students out on stage and they're doing something I'm oh. like oh I really like that idea and so then I I'm always learning too so it's having that ability to be open-minded but definitely at the beginning don't kind of come in saying that you know everything as a new graduate because you are taught best practices and yes, that is the ideal, mm-hmm. but the ideal doesn't work sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like you do, it is okay to cut some corners as long mm-hmm. as you're obeying those three things. So there are ways of navigating that in order to save time, in order to get your work yeah. done, prioritizing and all that sort of stuff. Um, but 
we don't teach that at school because we're teaching you the best way to do things, knowing that you're going to go out and see stuff and cut corners. Yeah, it upsets me when I see nurses ripping into um, dressing packs and, yeah. and doing stuff like that, not wearing gloves for bloods, and and I'm just like, oh my god, please. And I always say to my students, you're going to see stuff that is not acceptable. Just because you see it doesn't mean to say it's the right way to do it. So you, as long as you're always going back to those three things and you can adjust your way of thinking, yeah. great. But you're right. You should just keep your mouth shut. For the, like don't hold your colleague up for the way she's done addressing. Just take note. Don't say anything. It's okay. Like I'm not going to say, oh, you did that wrong because then you're just in the dog box right from the start. Mm -hmm. However, I'm going mm -hmm. to not do that when mm -hmm. I'm doing the dressing myself <laughs> so absolutely. yeah and of course like if there's something that puts somebody yeah. in danger like over you know malpractice or something that's different but there's like you know you can bend things you can bend the, yeah. not the rules but you can yeah you can bend your technique a bit you can adapt to things oh, and, yes but being absolutely. like being yeah. humble no, and, is and super important even when you're as starting. a teacher coming in like oh oh my god I used to never want to share any of my stuff because I was like oh my god is it good enough is it have I done it right have you know but now I'm like please take it like I'm comfortable mm. with the stuff that I produce because I I know it's good feel free to change it to your own because I don't like taking I, I I enjoy getting other people's stuff but for the most part I end up tweaking it a little bit just to suit my needs my teaching needs um because we're all individuals we all come from different backgrounds my god I think in our mm -hmm. department we have nurses from probably six different countries at least so you know we've trained in different areas we've got different basic um uh training underneath us and it, it's it actually brings a wealth to our community um i think it, it's beneficial because we're so diverse so what would you say to somebody that's looking Ooh. to go into <laughs> thing like go to different places to work do surgery do medicine um because that way you're really using your nursing skills and you're able to bring a lot to the table because you've seen a lot. When you when you have limited mm -hmm. experience, then you don't really you haven't really played the field. You know, it's like the more you play it, the the better, the broader your horizons are. Mm -hmm. um, the more mm -hmm. you can share with your students. Um, so that would be my number one. Um, number two would be <laughs> know mm -hmm. your stuff. Like yeah. you need to be a couple of steps ahead of your students. Um, and if they ask a question and you don't know the answer, be honest, say, no, I don't know. And, and invite them to go look it up and get back to you tomorrow, but don't ever try to bullshit your students because they'll see right through you and they'll hold that against you. But she said, <laughs> and, and it's like, and that's the other thing, just be aware that students uh, yeah. hear things, but they don't necessarily hear exactly what you were implying. So you need to be very clear with your instructions and directions. So I was teaching infection control to students last week um, as a second teacher, and part of it is hand washing, right? And so I was watching them doing their hand washing, and I'm also very cognizant of the environment. So, mm -hmm. you know, I noticed that they've washed their hands all very beautifully and, you know, sang the happy birthday song two times or whatever the heck. And the tap's running, and they're drying their hands. <laughs> and the tap's running. 
and the taps running. And I'm like, I said, guys, I, I said, this is an idea. I said, dry one hand <laughs> and then grab a clean paper towel and turn off the faucet before you dry the second hand. And I said, I feel way more comfortable with that because you're saving some water. And they're like, okay, great idea. So then I see another colleague at school today and she says, oh, by the way, there was just a bit of an issue with the hand washing. She said, I noticed that the students were kind of partially drying a hand and then they were grabbing the paper towel, but the hand was still wet and they were putting it on the faucet and turning it off. And, and I'm like, but you see, I didn't make myself clear. I didn't mm. say you need to mm. make sure that that hand's really dried before you grab that paper towel because otherwise you're mm. contaminating the tap. So it, it just, it's like the students take everything mm -hmm. you say mm -hmm. ad verbatim and they often hold it against you and it's like oh my god <laughs> that's not what I meant or that's not what I said or no 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 so you find yourself defending yourself <laughs> and I hate that as a teacher it's like I, and sometimes I have made mistakes I'm like oh yeah should mm. I just tell them that sorry um okay I'll fix it and I actually had that when I was teaching them dressings because the just the way it was structured with the the checklist um it was you know placing of the 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 sterile guard and I'm like I knew that they had to have the sterile the the old dressing off first but for some reason the way I was interpreting the the checklist it didn't read that way to me and then the second day when I was doing it, I'm like, hang on a minute. No, that's it exactly. It, it does mm -hmm. match with mm -hmm. my thoughts. So I had to kind of, um, like I had to go back and say, okay, guys, no, you can't put that guard on until that dressing is off. So it's owning your mistakes. That is really important. I but now we have to learn a whole that, different you way. Know, if you do it this way, you're going to fail. So <laughs> But yeah, so it, it's being honest with yourself and not being afraid to say that you were wrong or not being afraid to say that you don't know something. Um, I think they're probably the very key points in being a teacher. And not being not being harassed, like not feeling <sighs> I mean okay. yeah, not 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 to feel attacked by students. Mind you, I I think if you're as a teacher, you should make things fun and interesting. When when students are excited to learn, um, the idea of standing up there pushing a PowerPoint is not my idea of learning. Um, and I think, and in fact, that goes back to when I was training here to be mm, a nurse. Yeah. Um, and I had a couple of teachers, and I'm sitting there going, "Oh my god, this is so boring. I could do a better job myself." And I'm I'm cognizant of that inability of some people to actually. Mm. Um, portray and share information in such a way that makes it interesting like you have to change it up you have to keep your students on their toes and you have to keep switching things around and you have to you may have a plan but you might have to divert from it because everyone's falling asleep you know so but the other thing is too when you understand sometimes the physiology and the anatomy of the human body <laughs> then you can figure out things and so that's my other like drawback is saying okay so if you get this then you can take a look at any disease process and you can go back and say oh i understand why that's happening and it's actually the same for pharmacology mm -hmm. like i actually invite my students especially when they get up to like the last competency 31 i i will actually say to them go and look at your patient's medication record before mm -hmm. looking at their chart to see what their actual clinical profile is 
And from their medications, you can actually figure out what their clinical profile is. So it's taking the reverse stance on things. And I think students really enjoy that challenge because then, A, you know your drugs, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's just a different way of teaching it. So you've just, you've just got to always be thinking of um, other ways instead of hmm. just standing up there and preaching to your students. So, And now what about like for, for students themselves, though? Like what about for the learning process, the school process, like the classroom? Um, listen and ask questions. Be participating in class. Like don't kind of stand mm. aside and let other students take over. Um, approach your teacher if you're having issues. Be responsible for your learning. And most of all, like communicate with your teacher if there are problems that you're experiencing during your training. Um, in fact, with any new class that I have, I always give them a, um, mm -hmm. it's called my learning inventory. And I, it's just a, a question, a yes, no questionnaire. And it asks things like, you know, do you want to be here actually? Because sometimes we have students coming in that their, their families are forcing them to do this. They don't want to do it. Um, my mm -hmm. other question is, did you have a good experience in high yep. school? And you'd be surprised at yep. the number of people that put no there. And those people invariably end up coming in with baggage and they end up having difficulties adjusting to being back in school because they've got all that negative energy that reminds them when they step through the, the, the door. Um, just things like, do you have... Um, um, a, a supportive family? Do you have kids that are oh, maybe going, do you have things that are going to interfere with your work? Like, do you have to work or do you have kids? Um, you know, what is your language of choice mm -hmm. for learning? Because we have a lot of immigrants coming in that English is not their first language. And so it's more of a challenge. We have students that come to us that are French, but they have chosen to do it in English because they want to better their English. Um, uh, and then just little things like, you know, are you an artist? Are you a leader? Are you more of a, like a, an actor? Because I use that information to then have them build on those strengths to do activities in class. So, yeah, so I, I, I like to get to know my students a little bit before they come mm -hmm. in, just so I can kind of cater to the type of students that I have. And of course, the other big thing is learning difficulties, anywhere from dyslexia to um, you know, needing more time for an exam. Um, like I'm not blabbing off to the next teacher. Um, like I don't even want to hear about my mm. students from other teacher teachers. I, I, I will find that out for myself. Mm -hmm. Like, and I can't stand it if you're in lunch and they're like, oh, that student, she's such a, mm, this happened today. And I'm like, I don't want to hear it. Right. I don't want to know about it. Because then if I end up getting that student, you already have this like concept or, or this vision of right. who they are. And I don't agree with that because it, you become biased. But yeah, that, that would be my advice. And the main thing is being responsible mm -hmm. for your learning. You know, if yeah. you're coming into yeah. this, you know, if this is what you want, you can get it, but you have to want it and you have to go for it. And it's on your shoulders. Not on, I, I'm actually, my, my saying is I'm the navigator, you're the captain. You know, it's it's funny how many people go into it. Like you said, there's they're going to be forced by their their family. A lot of the young students will have like the parents that kind of push them to like, okay, just make a decision, go study something. You know, some people might find their way no, in that, no. but then others, it's like you really with nursing, you you can't just yep. wing it. 
it's not what it's not what you want as a parent it's what your child needs there you go to be passionate about and and i know it happens a lot like i know there's a lot of families oh dad's yeah. an accountant so you know buddy has to be an accountant and lawyers and whatever eh, no i'm not interested i always let my kids choose the the mm -hmm. the direction mm -hmm. they wanted to go and i was never gonna say well you mm -hmm. have to be a nurse because i'm a nurse and i know that sort of stuff goes on you know it's a good career you have to do something that's solid go into nursing eh, yeah it. not gonna happen yeah I, I it's one of the most rewarding careers but you really really have to be in it to actually be able to give like you have to you have to be part of it otherwise if you're just in it for the money forget it i mean i jokingly said the pay packet for teaching because yes it's a nice pay packet but yeah i wouldn't be doing yeah, it if i didn't sure. love it as well so Thanks for tuning in. I hope you liked this episode. While I keep editing to a minimum, I do edit out most locations, patients, coworkers, and employer names unless specified by my guest. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave your comments and questions on your podcast player of choice. Check out the show notes for any links and resources we may have mentioned. Support the World Nurse Collective by donating as little as two bucks a month on patreon.com forward slash world nurse collective. Until next episode, Stay safe, healthy, happy, and inspired.